On Second Shot, we cover two new stories every week to find out what kind of wisdom the world is dishing out today. And at the heart of every one of these stories are people, just like you and me, who've had to overcome incredible odds, to face the greatest challenges, to struggle and fight back. But now, we're changing it up. In these episodes, we're skipping the headlines and going straight to the people that inspire us to grow, to be bold, seek change, and act courageously when the rest of the world may not. A second look, a second chance, a second shot. This is Second Shot Sit-Downs with your host, Jenny Anchondo. Hey everybody, glad to have you here for a second shot sit down. And gosh, our guest today is somebody who I interviewed years ago in a very, very short interview at Fox. And I thought, you know, when we think about second shot and talking to people who have had second shots at life or who, you know, who have continued to reinvent themselves and just find new life in their own life. I think about Jacob Schick, who is a third generation combat Marine. He's a motivational speaker. He's an actor. And he also, he's somebody who really speaks about service and about sacrifice. So what he does is he helps people, he helps teams to kind of maximize their potential by using his experience. Um, and, and, and what he's been through, you know, he was severely wounded in Iraq. His story is one of just a perseverance of resilience. And when you look at what he's been through and what he stands for today and how he continues to give back today, I think it's really inspiring. And I will just give a little bit of a backstory before we bring him in. Um, he was in Al Anbar province in Iraq in 2004. He suffered compound fractures in his left leg, his left arm, multiple skin, ligament and bone losses. Um, he experienced a partial loss of his left hand and arm, amputation below the knee of his right leg. And also, per, perhaps more importantly, we'll find out from here, him, um, you know, on this, to, to be sure, to confirm this, but he experienced a traumatic brain injury and PTSD. So there are those components about it as well. He is so much more than those injuries that I bring up, but I just bring them up to bring you context to our guest. And with that, we welcome in Jake. Good to see you. Good to see you. Thanks for having me, Jim. We appreciate it. Oh my gosh. Well, there's so much to talk about with the, the, the fundraising that you're doing, et cetera. But I want to kind of start off at the beginning, not really at the beginning, but, but we, I mentioned those injuries and what life was like immediately, you know, immediately after that. <clears throat> not easy. Uh, being severely wounded in Iraq, it, it ruined my whole day. You know, it was, uh, it was a long day at the office, but luckily, by the grace of God, it was only myself that was severely wounded, better me than my Marines. And, you know, that was, um, it was a very long recovery process, about 18 months in the hospital and over 50 operations, over 20 blood transfusions. And, you know, I, th I feel like it's unfair to call call people in the hospital patients because I, I, I wasn't very patient. I wasn't a good patient. It was a long, arduous process, and I was not easy on those people that definitely helped put me back together and helped me rehab through the countless hours of rehabilitation. And I'm just very grateful for them and all the work they did. And I, I believe that United States military medicine is second to none. And, but more than anything, it was uh, trying mentally and emotionally. It was a very trying time because I was went from being you know, one of the world's most elite gladiators to not being able to use the bathroom on my own. And I was uh, a prisoner in my own brain. And when I was diagnosed with post-traumatic stress and traumatic brain injury, 
almost gapped it off in the very beginning. Like, no, those are things that don't affect us. You know, we're gladiators. Those things don't affect us. And you know, come to find out they're very real and you know, gone unaddressed. They are the gifts that keep on giving in a very negative light. So it was a, a long, arduous process. And luckily, I was surrounded by people that loved me through it and people that were the quintessential professionals to be able to put up with me and help me get back to where I need to be in order to do the things that I do today. Yeah, th that's why I kind of mentioned that part. It's like we talk about the physical injuries and that's that has to had to have taken part of your identity away, sure. But then the, the brain injury part of it, what was that, how did you experience brain injury and what was that like for you? You know, it was definitely a, an unusual injury to have i grew up playing sports and particularly football in texas and it, with warriors it's different you know if you have uh, you know hurt ankle hurt arm something physical it's easily addressed mm -hmm. but if it's neck up it's usually a no-go zones that's showing a sign of weakness and that's not what we do and that's drilled in our heads from day one and so it was very uh, unusual injury to sustain because i didn't know how exactly to cope with it and i couldn't really talk about it and uh, the hospital did a good job my doctors did a good job of explaining it to me and explaining what had happened and how it happened and it was very hard to accept in the beginning it was a, a an extremely difficult process to be able to accept okay if something happened with my brain because it was new to me I grew up playing football, and the concussion protocol was much different than it is now. And I know that I had them, and uh, probably several that went undiagnosed. But it was something that I had to patiently work through, especially with post-traumatic stress. It's something that is a, you know, it's an ongoing process, and it's it's a process that is okay. It's 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 okay to not be okay, and that's something that we we have to let the world know is that. Post-traumatic stress is nothing more than a normal reaction to an otherwise abnormal situation. And so there's technically nothing wrong with you. You're normal. It's okay. Mm -hmm. And that's the part that I really struggled with was accepting that you know, it didn't make me different. It didn't make me an outcast. It didn't make me weak. It didn't make me all the things that these societal labels put on it. And so that was the part that was really the toughest part was the acceptance of it and then understanding okay there's ways to make myself better and there's ways to i there's things i can do and i can practice to make myself healthier mentally and emotionally and so that's what i ended up doing and to this day i have to do it's an ongoing process just like everybody you don't have to be really wounded in war to do it everybody should do it yeah i, I want to hear about that because you're you're your story is one that we talk about because it is it is unique in that in that thing that happened to you that day. But the, mm -hmm. the journey you've been on is so relatable. So what is what is your daily practice? How do you kind of, you know, stay focused, keep your mind right now, stay, you know, positive if, if that's something that you do? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Attitude of gratitude is extremely important. Uh, my fiance taught, reminds me of it regularly thankfully and it's something that we we all have to practice it's being grateful i mean there's scientific proof it's showing that if you practice gratitude on a daily basis you're by default going to be a happier person other things that i do you have to practice meditation you have to practice your breathing you have to <clears throat> be slow to react mm. that's another thing I, I tell the employees of one trap foundation is you know, 
reacting and making a decision based on limited information usually does not end well. You need to breathe, be strategic, and think through things. And I think that we allow too much, too too much noise uh, on our in our daily lives to come in and affect us. And that's why I tell people all the time is we have to remember that our control stops outside of our own skin. Whether you like it or not, that's where it stops. But we're masters of making ourselves believe we have a lot more control than we actually do. It stops outside of our own skin. We allow too, too many things on the outside to come into our own personal being, and then that affects our daily life and our daily processes. And usually, once you allow that to happen, you regress. And so practicing meditation, breathing, getting good sleep, exercising, those are all things that we can do on a regular basis to make sure that we're as healthy as we can possibly be. And then again, and very importantly, an attitude of gratitude, practice gratitude on a daily basis. We try and do it as a family uh, as regularly as possible and it helps. When Yeah, when you talk about attitude of gratitude, is it is it a prayer? Is it an affirmation? Is it just kind of like keeping yourself aware? Hey, look, look for things I can be thankful for. Or what, what does that look like on a like day in day out sense? All of the above. Uh, you know, we're a, a family of believers, and we pray together. We talk about the things that we are grateful for, and I mean, even our five-year-old does it. And it's something that we you have to put into practice regularly. And look, it's hard to do. It's much harder to be happy and go lucky and joyful and grateful and all those things because it takes more effort. It's much easier to be sad and depressed and angry and all those things because there's, there's so much more to draw from. Usually a lot. So true. A lot of it is unaddressed childhood trauma, mm -hmm. which majority of people have. Mm -hmm. And so that that's the thing is we have to be willing to face the fight and understand, okay, the only way that we're really going to get through this together is to lock arms and walk through it together and understand that it's going to be a regular daily practice that we have to do. And that's what we do. We, we choose to do that as a family and it helps. I mean, do we have our bad days? Absolutely. Cause we're just like everybody else. Yeah. We're human, human element. And so, but, but we lean in and love hard in order to live well. And that's what we choose to do as a family. And that's what we choose to do outwardly with society. I have so many questions on that topic, but before I get too far down there, I, I do want to go back to what happened in 2004. And do, do you remember that day or anything leading up to that day? Or what, what's your experience now as you, as you think back on what happened? Gosh, what, 16 years ago or so, 16, 17 years ago? Yeah, it was, uh, it was 16 or 17 years. Me and math don't jive. Me, and that same. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I remember the whole thing. I, I remember the whole thing because I, I never lost consciousness and I never went in shock. And we were on a react mission and the Humvee hit a triple stack tank mine. It was three to one five five millimeter mortar round stacked. It was pressure plate ignited. And so as soon as the tire hit that plate, front left tire hit that plate, plate went down, lights the fuse, bomb goes off. And we, we operated in uh, two two-door soft top Humvees. That's all we had and in 04. <clears throat> and it blew up directly beneath me, blew me 30 feet to the top of the Humvee and was stuck the landing with my head because I'm a Marine and we believe in good form. And um, <laughs> well I like done. to say, yeah, thank you. I like to say, because God's a comedian, I never lost consciousness or went into shock. I remember the whole thing. And, you know, again, it was a particularly long day at the office. And the worst part of the whole thing was not the pain and, you know, seeing 
when I was doing my self-assessment, my mangled body and understanding that I was severely wounded in, in every sense of the words, uh, the hardest part for me was not waiting on the Blackhawk uh, while Doc was talking to me or any of those things. It was knowing I was leaving my guys. I was, um, I was leaving my family. You know, those are my brothers. Those are, you know, the, the United States Marine Corps and, and team athletics taught me, you know, because the saying is, well, blood's thicker than water. And my thing is, after you being a United States Marine and experiencing the things I've experienced with other humans that are far greater than I'll ever be is, hold my salad and watch this. I'll, I'll prove you wrong on that one. Uh -huh. uh, and, and the hardest part for me was, was leaving them for sure. I mean, it's the part that uh, when I think about that day and I, I take myself back there, that's that's the thing that stands out the most is when that Black Hawk was pulling off after coming to extract me from that hot landing zone. And that was the hardest part. That was the part that really stuck with me still to this day. You know, I can still... When I put myself back there, feel the feeling that I felt that day on that Blackhawk when we were leaving that area and they were taking me to Balad, which is a field hospital outside of Baghdad. But I did know I, I had a bad feeling in my gut. Uh -huh. uh, a few days before that, when we got orders that we were going to go to Dulab, <clears throat> and I, I didn't know what it was. And so I ended up breaking my own rule and going to the call tent and calling my family. And I called my father last and let him know. You know how much I love him and how much I respect him and what he means to me and that I'm the man and Marine I am because of him and it was um, it was important for me because I, I knew something wasn't right I just felt it and it could be you know God or my grandfather from beyond the grave first generation combat Marine who's you know dog tax from World War II or hanging on the eagle right above the flag and um, or a combination of the two but I felt it. I knew something wasn't right, and we got out to do lob, and the react mission got called a couple of days after we got there, and I just did some things I otherwise wouldn't do because as soon as I walked out of the tent, the bad feeling I had in my gut went right in my throat, and I knew we were about to get hit. I didn't know by what or how it was going to be followed by small arms fire. Or I didn't know. But I, <clears throat> I took the bomb blanket out of my commanding officer's on B and kicked the driver out of the driver's seat, put it in the lead Put it in the lead vehicle in the driver's seat, took the radio from the radio man, told all the guys to button up, meaning if they issued you gear for protection, put it on now. And I'm sure at that point, the guys knew. It was me and nine Marines on the REACT team, and I'm sure at that point they knew something was up. And uh, I jumped in the driver's seat and, uh, and gassed it, and three minutes later is when we hit the tank mine. And, uh, you know, that, that definitely altered the course of my life, you know, and I, and I wouldn't change it for anything because that, that's what it was. It was a bad day at work. Unbelievable that you had such an intuition. And, you know, we, as we get older, especially, I think, and get more, you know, and go through more things, we don't trust it. We don't listen to it. We, you know, ignore it or pat it down. And that day you you did lean into it in the way that you knew how. I wanted to, you, you mentioned the word, you, we've talked about team sports and blood and, and warrior and, you know, in the, these these things, there's a certain type of person that can do what you did, right? And and that can be a part of what you are a part of. So we have that and then the juxtaposition to being okay with having a brain injury, with feeling feelings, with being sad for leaving our team, with you know all these different things. Are, are these things mutually exclusive? Do you think that we can have people who are joining the Marines be as tough 
and as resilient and as powerful as we need them to be while also understanding um, the nuances of feelings? I do. Uh, I do think, um, and look, I, I don't think you have to be a warrior to do that. I, I, I believe that uh, in the sense, a warrior in the sense of wearing a camouflage uniform and hunting bad guys that are hunting you. Yeah, I don't, I believe everybody's a warrior in their own right. I believe every, it's embedded in everybody's DNA. I truly believe that. And I believe that you can be tough and resilient and, and all those things that define what a warrior gladiator is while being empathetic and sympathetic. I, I believe that that's a very real thing. Mm -hmm. You know, the Spartans after, after every major battle would huddle together and mourn their losses and it was mandatory and it's like now how have we regressed so much since that time mm -hmm. it's 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 mind-boggling to me and, and i feel like that everybody has that in them and i i think that <clears throat> what they do to pull that out is up to them and i think different things make everybody tick but at the end of the day we're all made up of the same stuff it's all human element human condition we, we we're all relatively the same when it comes to our makeup. But I think different things make us go, make us move forward, make us drive forward. And with me, it was, yeah, I had an advantage mm -hmm. as a Marine because I'm a third generation Marine. I, I knew that this is what I was supposed to do no matter what, no matter where I was, when I was standing on the yellow footprints in San Diego, uh, Marine Corps recruit you both San Diego. I, mean, I asked myself, I wonder if my grandfather stood on these same footprints. I mean, I knew I was, come hell or high water, I was earning the title United States Marine. I had, I had a clear advantage. Yeah. And I think that growing up the way I grew up, and I had a pretty tough childhood. It wasn't cookie cutter by any stretch of the imagination. I went through a lot of trauma early on, and I think that that molded me to be able to deal with team sports, and especially football. That was my go-to sport and being able to transition my leadership leadership skills and all the things I learned playing team athletics going into the Marine Corps, which is just that. It's 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 a family, mm -hmm. just like a football team or a baseball team or basketball or hockey or whatever it is. You have to treat it as a family. It's a family unit. You have to lean in and love hard and all the way in order to be successful. And that's why as Marines, that's you know, there is no doubt we're the best. There's a reason that the, that we are who we are. And that's why is because we adhere to, to tradition more than any other branch. And we, we truly do love all the way, understanding that this is a privilege. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a privilege that was earned and one that we're going to protect because it's up to us to do it. Because if we don't, who will? You know, you mentioned earlier, Jake, about that so many people have this unaddressed childhood trauma just sort of, sort of just simmering. It's just there and maybe manifesting in different ways. Did, did you, is this something that you dealt with before this injury or after this injury or currently in the process of, or, or what was that like for you? Uh, very candidly, all of the above. Mm. Yeah, it's, uh, it's something that, that I've always, um, I've struggled with it my entire life. And there's still things, oh, neat. 
connection loss. Okay, so you guys know we do these on Skype because that's the rules of the station. We broke out when right when uh, we were having this good conversation about about the childhood trauma. And I think what I liked the most about what you were starting to answer was just, I said, you know, is this something you dealt with, still dealing with it? We don't bring perfect, perfect people on this show. You know, nobody comes on here fully healed and, you know, look, I had my transformation. I did a week of therapy and now I'm perfect. Um, so, so tell us though what that, what that journey has been like is like for you, because it's like you said, so many people are, are dealing with that. Yeah, no, listen, I, the perfect person that exists. You know, it's a, <clears throat> being well and living well is a daily process. I accepted a long time ago, I'll, I'll die an eternal student of life, something you have to practice daily because things happen, life happens, and you have to be ready to deal with it. And you know, as children, we don't have those tools. We're not equipped with those tools on how to get through trauma or address trauma or things happen at, at a young age. and. If you grew up like I did in a, a very small community where everybody knew everybody's business, and it was like, hey, you know, let's not talk about that, and it's going to be okay. Just don't don't talk about that. I mean, that's. I think it's all too common, and then it rolls over into adult life, and if you experience high stress situations, like for myself as as a United States Marine, those. Those demons were already there. Those high-stress situations just exacerbated those demons, and I still didn't have the proper tools to deal with it. And that's the issue with a lot of people. I think most people, and according to statistics and all the studies I've read, that that's one of the major issues is that people have all of this unaddressed trauma, and it comes out in various ways, or as you stated earlier, manifests in various ways, whether it be disease or mm -hmm. a, a whatever type or depression or anxiety or hypervigilance or suicidal ideation or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, and those are things that affect everybody. And so it's something that I still to this day have to deal with. I still have to understand that, hey, yeah, I mean, I went through some traumatic things as a child. And when I have these moments or I feel anxious, like I don't need to get down on myself. I just need to accept my humanity and understand, hey, it doesn't determine who I am. You know, I'm in control of my reaction. It's not in control of me. Thank you for saying that. That message alone, I think, will help a lot of people. Just like that one line you just said is very special. When I first met you, you were, it was, your organization was 22 Kill. Now mm -hmm. it is called the One Tribe Foundation. You are the CEO, you were running the thing. I wanna hear about what was the, the change, and I remember you know, why it was 22 Kill then. What was the, the change in the name, change in the foundation? Is the mission still the same? I wanna hear about that. Yes, thank you for bringing it up. Uh, look, long story short, 22 Kill, we, we've done so much with that name and that moniker. And what we've evolved into is we, we've simply outgrown that moniker. And 22 Kill is not going anywhere. It's still our education and awareness piece under the One Tribe Foundation umbrella because that's our roots. We're not going to forget how we started or where we came from. And we still have the same mission, which is actually a movement. It's so much more than a mission now because it's mental and emotional wellness. And we serve veterans, military, first responders, law enforcement officers, frontline healthcare workers, and their families. And we do that through traditional therapy and non-traditional therapy. We have over 40 employees that make sure they work tirelessly day in and day out. Even through the global pandemic, we did over 7,000 therapy sessions 
we're there. We're, we're here to step up to let people know, look, it's okay to not be okay. And we have your back. We understand what it's like to go through what you're going through. We understand trauma and tragedy. And we also understand that we can't measure trauma and tragedy. There's no Richter scale on it. Uh -huh. That's the thing is that we, we compare and contrast pain and suffering so much that it actually takes away from who we are and subconsciously actually hurts us. Doesn't, and people don't understand that. When people tell me like, Jake, I can't imagine what you went through physically or mentally or emotionally. I've only ever had X, Y, Z happen. And I tell them, don't do that because you're subconsciously hurting yourself right now and you don't realize it. You're taking away from what's made you who you are. And wow. don't do it when, don't hurt yourself, especially when you don't realize that's what you're doing. And so as an organization, we've really grown and stepped up and we're doing everything we can to meet the need. I mean, there's not a mental or emotional wellness organization in the state of Texas, let alone the country right now that doesn't have a waiting list because of the global pandemic. Global pandemic put us all in the same arena for the first time in a long time. We all experienced the same thing which was isolation and a lot of people all over the world had to learn there's a drastic difference between being alone and lonely. Those are two very different things. And if you found yourself lonely, you got some soul work to do and that's okay because you're amongst the many. It's mm. probably a lot more common than people think or would like to talk about. And that's okay. I mean, but that's why we're here. We're here to let these people that serve us no, you're not alone. We have your back and we're going to walk through this with you. And that's to include their families because you have to treat the family unit. It's not just the individual. And I learned that from my own experiences. I was hard to be around for a long time and I still have my days, yeah. no doubt about it. And, uh, you know, it's, it's something that affects the entire family unit. And that's why we treat the whole family rather in the traditional sense or non-traditional with one of our non-traditional programs because that's that's where it begins and ends is uh with the family and how you feel about the person staring back at you in the mirror everything in your life begins and ends with that feeling jake let's talk about the person who perhaps was also in combat in the, the early 2000s came back went back about life felt some feelings didn't address them and now here we are 2021 and they're thinking Oh, well, now I can't, you know, I can't do it now. You know, I'm home. I'm fine. Everything's fine. But they, they, but possibly there's a chance that there are some unresolved issues, either from their time serving over in our country or to your point, childhood, things like that. Um, can you speak to the idea that it's too late to get help or to like really lift up your own life? Absolutely. Yeah, the, my belief on that is if you're drawing breath, there's time, there's hope. You, you can do the work. All you have to do is be breathing and have a pulse. I mean, you, you can do the work. It's never too late, ever. And that's another thing too, is that I, I don't think that people should ever settle with self-growth. I don't think anyone should get to a point where they're like, oh, well, all right, I don't need to do any more work. I'm, I'm as good as I'm ever gonna get, I, no. No, you're not. You're not. That's just the thing. You're not because life's going to happen and you have to continue to evolve. You have to continue to move through and sift through all the dust and the ashes and the things that have made you who you are to an order to appreciate them because it's only going to make you a better, more effective human being, husband, wife, brother, sister, father, mother, son, daughter, et cetera, et cetera. It's only going to make you better. And so, yeah, it's never, ever too late, ever. 
How, before we wrap up, and I do want to talk about the fundraiser too, one more question about, you mentioned your fiance. How has the work that you've done on yourself, the hard work, I mean, the, the physical stuff, the mental stuff, allowed you to say, hey, I'm going to combine my life with somebody. Like, I, it's you and me forever from here on out. Um, what, what, are, what are her thoughts on the work that, that you've done? You know, it's that's the beautiful thing about our relationship is because Ashley's every bit of a warrior as I am, if not more. And that's because of what she's gone through, what she's experienced. We were friends for years before we decided to take this lifelong leap. And you know, she's seen me do a lot of the work. I've seen her do the work. And look, when I'm weak, she's strong. When she's strong. You know, it, or when she's weak, I'm strong. We have to be able to have a good counterbalance, understanding that we're both humans. We both have that human element and that that's okay. We just have to be willing to lean in and love hard and understand, look, we the only way we do justice for the people that are no longer with us or to set the bar for those that are coming after us is by living well. There is no other way. There's no plaque or award or piece of paper or medal that denotes that. It is a lifestyle. That's the only way to truly honor those legacies or to set the bar for those that are coming behind us is to live well. There is no other way. And we both have made a pact that we understand, hey, look, life's tough. We're just going to get helmets and we're going to live it hard and all the way. We're going <laughs> to do it the right way. We're going to do it the way that everybody looks and says, oh, man, that's weird. And it's not because it's weird. It's because it's with conviction in the right way. And so I'm... I'm honored and privileged to be able to have a partner that understands, you know, I don't, I don't choose the easy path. I don't want to walk down the path where I can see any space in front of me. I want to, I want to blaze a new one and uh, set people up for success that are going to come after me. Well, I wish you two the absolute best. I love that you found each other or reconnected after knowing each other for so long. Let's talk about the fundraiser that's coming up that's going to benefit One Tribe. Yeah, it's uh, Derek Holland, who used to pitch for the Rangers. It's his organization, 60 Feet 6, and we are one of the beneficiaries. We're very, very grateful for that, very humbled by it. And they do a lot with uh, children's disease also. And so, you know, we who are, who are we to say that we don't, obviously we respect that and acknowledge that and understand that there's a lot that comes with that, with any disease and any human and fighting any disease with any human especially children, you know, that is emotionally taxing. And so we are honored to be a part of it and honored to be able to say that we were chosen to be a beneficiary. We're super grateful and we understand that it, it is a privilege. And so again, if anyone could show up and support, we, uh, we would really, really appreciate it. Awesome, coming up on November 11th. Well, Jake, thank you. Thank you for your service. Thank you for your continued service because there's you had the initial service and, and you continue to serve all of us with the messaging that you put out there, the fundraising that you do. And it's um, it's not lost on me or our team what you do. So so thank you once again. Thank you so much. And we really appreciate you guys. So you guys, here's the website. And, and if you're looking for it, I want to give the exact website. It's onetribefoundation.org with the number one. You can Google it too. It'll come up. Um, and then we'll also link it up in the show notes. We'll link up the fundraiser, all that good stuff so you can stay connected. Um, I hope that the second shot was inspiring for you like it was for me. I just I get so much out of these because I leave with, with a different perspective each time and, and certainly gave us something to think about. Don't forget, you can see these every Thursday on CW33 or the full shebang, all the episodes at secondshotpodcast.com. We'll talk to you soon.